0: And definitely check out those shows as well. Brooke Lee Foster is the author of On Jin Lane. Brooke is an award-winning journalist whose articles have appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post Magazine, the Atlantic, the Boston Globe Sunday Magazine, and HuffPost, among others. An alumna of the Writing Institute at Sarah Lawrence College, she's the author of three nonfiction books and the novels Summer Darlings and On Jin Lane. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you so much for coming back on Moms No Time to Read Books to discuss On Gin Lane, a novel, which for people listening has one of the most gorgeous covers I have ever seen. So if you are somewhere where you can quickly Google this cover, On Gin Lane by Brooklyn Foster, you should absolutely do so.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Zivi. I'm so excited to be here. And you know, Summer Darlings, my first book had such an amazing cover, so I didn't think they could top it, but I, I actually think they did. (laughs)
0: That's true. I don't know. It's like the, the, the gold, not that I even love gold, but this gold is so perfect and it reflects the light and this gorgeous picture. And oh my gosh, it's just,
1: yeah, it is. It's so shimmery. And you know, it's so interesting because they actually sent us my editor and agent and I 12 choices of different book idea covers And all of us, like, let's say this one was labeled number 10. All of us were like, number 10, number 10, number 10. It just jumped out at us, the image, because it captured the story so well. There's a longing in the woman's face on the cover. She's kind of looking out. And I think that really captures the longing of my my main character.
0: Well, let's talk about Everly since we are going there already. Um, I kind of want... Someone to make me a hotel after reading this. I'm like, <laughs> some, like, what would my hotel look like? And like, yeah, I would agree with the throw pillows. Anyway, tell <laughs> listeners what um the what the whole book is about, and then let's get into the characters.
1: Sure, sure. So, um, Anjan Lane is about a young debutante in the summer of 1957. She lives in New York City, and her fiance whisks her off to Southampton for the weekend but when he gets there he gifts her this fabulous oceanfront hotel um which she's utterly shocked by and she and he announces they're going to stay the whole summer so she's a bit ambivalent about that she didn't really have a say he just kind of decided they're going to stay there for the summer um and after but she kind of comes around and after a um pretty glamorous i think you would agree uh grand opening party where Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller even make an appearance the hotel burns to the ground and the book is part a mystery of who burned the hotel down, but really, it's the story of a young woman finding her voice at a time when women didn't really have a voice, um, and kind of finding out that maybe this fiance of hers that she thought was Mr. Perfect is not so perfect after all.
0: You never know what you're gonna get.
1: You know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And you know what? It's based on a true story. Um, so I got the idea for the book because I when I was researching. A little tidbit in Summer Darlings, I was trying to find out where a young society woman would stay in 1962 if she was traveling to Chicago, and it turned out it was most likely the Palmer House Hotel on the Chicago Loop, and, you know, as as a journalist, as someone who loves historical fiction and, and, you know, kind of going down the rabbit hole, I just started researching, um, you know, the story behind that hotel. And it turns out it has this really fascinating backstory where um, Potter Palmer, it's a little bit of a tongue twister. Um, he was a wealthy businessman in Chicago back in 1871, and he built that hotel and gifted it to his fiancé, who was a young socialite at the time, pretty, very glamorous herself, Bertha. And 13 days after the grand opening, the hotel burned down. So I filed that away because I just thought that's such a great plot, you know? But yeah. I'm here, I am still working on Summer Darlings and my head is in a completely different island. I'm on Martha's Vineyard, I'm in five years later, you know? Um, but when it came time to work on my second book, I just, that, that little nugget stuck with me. I just thought it would be great to take that idea from back in the 1870s and put it on a young Manhattan couple, go out to the Hamptons for the weekend, which is a place I love and know well from growing up fairly close by um, and having him gift her a hotel. I mean, who gets to get gifted a hotel? I just thought it was so neat. And then to have it burned down, you know, it's like this image of perfection, which I think is runs rampant in the Hamptons, but really behind closed doors and those perfect picket fences, there's, you know, we all put our pants on the same way and there's all the same family drama and heartbreak and longing. Uh, It's just playing out in much bigger houses. So in this case, it plays out in a hotel until it burns down.
0: Not to mention, it's not like Everly felt like things were going so great anyway. Like she didn't even want to be in the Hamptons. Do you know what I mean? Like, woe is me kind of problem, right? But, you know, you feel for her because she wants to be near her parents and they had just been like working on this other house. And I think it sounded like she was mostly just happy that he wasn't that what's his name, Ellery? Roland. Or name? Roland, Roland, sorry. Roland. That Roland wasn't just like not working at all because she had been worried about that, right? That he was sort of- Right,
1: she was worried that he didn't have a, you know, a really reliable job and she was getting ready to go to her because he's an, he was an architect architectural major, but he wasn't building any, anything. Right. And she was like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, and she's ready to go to her dad and say, can you give him some work? But, you know, she comes from a place where, you know, there's a couple of things going on with Everly. Her mother has been in and out, has struggled with mental health issues. Her mother is very depressed, has you know some psychiatric problems, and she's been in and out of the hospital. And I think as a daughter, she, Everly's really shouldered that burden. You know, a lot of us do that. I think where we feel like we have to take on the problems of our family, and she's certainly done that. You know, always checking on her mom, worrying about her mom. Is her mom feeling okay? Is she going to go to lunch? Um, so going away for the summer is is scary to her because she's going to really be leaving her mother with her mental illness all alone. Um, but also there's the cultural, you know, there's the cultural factors at work at the time, the socioeconomic factors, which is like, you know, women at the time were pretty unhappy. You know, they were back in the home, they were in quiet, they were, um, encouraged to get a Mrs. Degree, meaning you went to college just to meet a husband, you know, there's all this pressure on Everly to be the happy homemaker and move into this house in Bronxville in the suburbs. Um, So, yeah, so she she's shouldering a lot when she gets out there for the summer. And I think when the hotel burns down, it's 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 heartbreaking, but it also becomes this opportunity for her to kind of unravel and separate a little bit from these pressures and problems she's, um, you know, been dealing with in her life. And she kind of finds a whole new path that summer. I really believe in the power of transformative summers. I don't know if you do too, Zibby, just from being out there all summer, but I feel like we wait all year in New York for our summers. And somehow from Memorial Day to Labor Day, I don't know that I necessarily change every summer, but I do feel different by the end of the summer. I come back with goals and ideas and you know, new ways of looking at myself. And I think Everly certainly does in this book too. I love
0: that, the transformative nature of, Summer. I feel like that's an essay contest, you know? Yeah. Like you should you should ask people, you know, in the spirit of this, or maybe I should do that on Mom's No Time to Write or whatever it's gonna be. You know, in the spirit of this, like what's a transformative summer experience or what's a summer where you really transformed? That'd be a great idea. Yeah, no,
1: I would love to read those.
0: Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. Maybe we should do like author related writing challenges.
1: Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. I used to do things like
0: that on um way back when I used to not way back when. Maybe like four years ago or whatever, I used to write for the Today Parenting community site, and they would yeah. have like a challenge, and then everyone would write, and they would like post about the same topic, like step parents or I don't know.
1: Yeah, never mind. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm no, like, no, no. Okay. I I kind of loving that, my though. idea here. <laughs> oh, no, serious. I really love that though because I mean I can even think back on you know several summers at pivotal points in my life whether it was when I first graduated college and was finding my way, like figuring out what the yep. heck I was going to do with my life. Right. Yep. I spent this summer trying to figure that out. I spent one summer. I remember working through like stuff from my childhood mm-hmm. where I remember by the end of the summer feeling like I had healed myself because I kind of gone there and then I've had summer romances, right. Where you spend the summer, totally. in love. you know, yep. there's so many, I would love to read. Oh my gosh. I could write so
0: life. many summers. That would also be another, like a fun device for a memoir. You know, yeah. only yeah. writing about summers, right? Yeah. essays about summer, yeah. summer yeah. eleven or something.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, I I mean, Alan Hildebrand's Twenty Eight Summers, I feel like is a good example too. Oh yeah, right. Of course, multiple yeah. summers and having them add up to a larger. But that's story. fiction. That's fiction, right? Yeah.
0: Now. No, I'm right kind of right. thinking as like personal essay. Yeah. No, I know. Gotcha. I don't know. Cool. Okay. Anyway. Yes. So that struck a chord, but um,
1: we're going to launch an essay contest. Great. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, a contest. Yeah. I guess it could be a contest. So we'd have a prize and everything. Yeah. This is getting even more exciting. Yeah. Okay. Sure. What's our prize going to be?
1: I mean, to be published. Right. Just that.
0: Yeah. Not like a trip to Southampton or something.
1: (laughs) I mean, that would be amazing right?
0: A weekend there. Yeah. A weekend. Well, now we're really going crazy. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, this is fun. I like this. Um, all right. Let me think about some fun prize. I still think it should have something to do with Hamptons, but definitely. anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, well, anyway, so when you were writing this and putting yourself in Everly's shoes and everything about sort of the limitations of her voice, right. And her power and even the fact that she was like damaged goods because of this one horrific situation that had already happened to her. And like that at such a young age too, I mean, it's like ridiculous. Um, like what if it was still like that? Like, where do you go? Like, what, what would life be like if that hadn't been the case? I don't know. Like when you think about when you extrapolate Everly's all over the world and then realize that, that we don't have to live like that anymore. I don't know. Just stop. You know,
1: it's so funny because, so I've been listening to um, authors and obviously talking to authors with a book coming out. And I feel like what's really interesting about this crop of books coming out right now is that we all wrote them during lockdown. Yes. So what ends yes, up emerging so is really, really interesting, right? Because it's either what we fixate on as people yeah. or what was saving us at the time as people. And there's all these time travel books that came out, right? That aren't science fiction. Um And, you know, I remember being interviewed for Summer Darlings back then, I think it was by the Washington Post, and he was saying, like, do you think you'll ever write a book set in the present day? And I was like, no, because I'd much rather go back in time, um, especially at this moment. So writing historical fiction during the lockdown was really like a saving grace, right? But for me, when I was thinking about that question, like what emerged in my writing from that time, I came back to this one quote that's in *Anjin Lane where, so Everly ends up meeting this celebrity photographer like person kind of, I I relate her to almost like an Annie Leibovitz of of the Mm -hmm. time. And because Everly's dream is to really get in touch with her, you know, photography and, and maybe pursue it, but she's always been discouraged and embarrassed Um, But she is encouraged by Arthur Miller um, and Marilyn Monroe to kind of visit this artist colony in Sag Harbor that I daydreamed up. Um, (laughs) And and she goes and she meets up with this woman named Starling who, um, you know, started taking pictures in the 40s when a lot of the men were away from the war. But then when men came back, when her husband came back, she kind of refused to go back to domestic life. And Everly's kind of working through you know, as, at work one day, she gets a job working for her. Sorry, I forgot that part. And she's at work and they're just kind of talking about, you know, what she should do with her life and 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 moving forward. And Starling kind of looks at her and she says, you know, you only get one life and you get to do whatever the hell you want with it. Yep. And I love that line. I mean, I know I wrote it. <laughs> I found it so empowering. That's kind of what I was telling myself, right? That yep. we all have this one life. And we get to decide the rules of this life. We don't, we don't have to, and this is fine. It was a long way to answer your question. But the, the point is, is that, you know, there's rules all over. We even set limits on ourselves. We tell Mm -hmm. ourselves what we can and can't do. Society tells us what we can and can't do, but that's not true. We decide in the end, it's all about our own choices and finding our own voice and, and, you know, path forward. And that's what, that's really what I wanted to show. And I think in lockdown that's what i was kind of obsessed with was all these rules and you know things of what we couldn't couldn't do but in in the in the present moment but then larger you, you know the larger idea that we were i was suddenly reassessing my own life you know here i am as a mom teaching school you remember how it was it be you know we were all kind of getting through it but you know moving forward like i get to live on my own terms so that was kind of author working through character there
0: oh i love that that's so cool I love it. Author empowerment moment.
1: (laughs) Exactly. My, my character's teaching me, right? Well, because we're always working stuff out in our writing.
0: Totally. Um, I feel like everybody should have, they should have like novel therapists or something, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) or like, or just sessions where like you just read someone's book and then you can like have, you know, well, what about this theme? You know? Yeah.
1: And it's so interesting because as a writer, you often don't even know you're working something out, you know? Mm -hmm. Like I, I didn't even think about that until yesterday, this idea that maybe I was working through something during that time when I was writing it because so much of it comes out without us realizing it. It's so deep down in the subconscious. You know, I turned in my third book to my agent recently and she was like, oh, this is so interesting. It's, you know, carrying on this idea of women finding their voices and, you know, women being restrained with all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I I just was writing the characters. (laughs) I didn't even see it. I I was like, oh, it's really good. I'm glad you saw that.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Give a little more description of this next book, please. If you can.
1: So, uh, okay. So this book was so much fun to write. It takes place in 1967 and 1977. And it's about two friends who one is a local um, kind of, the you know, a local girl out in East Hampton and her mother just died. And the other one is a uh, summer girl who comes out from the city with her family And there's kind of that same dynamic of, um, you know, rich girl, poor girl, which I just love. Um, And it's about their friendship and a secret they keep for 10 years and the two of them grappling um, with it, but, and and kind of re, you know, coming back together and, and trying to face it, but, but it was such great fun to write because 1967 and 1977 out in the Hamptons was just a really fascinating, you know, it was you're moving up in time. You know, you have Andy Warhol throwing his parties out there and you have the Rolling Stones at the, at the Memory Motel in Montauk. And, you know, the music was really interesting. And there's this one po- point in the book where um, they go to the drive-in movie in Bridgehampton and they're seeing Star Wars because Star Wars released it in the summer of 1977. So um, so it's been great fun. It's funny because my first book took place in Martha's Vineyard, which I love that island to pieces. Um, and, and this book, Anjan um, Lane is in East Hampton, Southampton, Bridgehampton, And I couldn't leave it for the third book. I wasn't ready. I was like, you know what? I've had so much fun interviewing people and being out there and, and, and telling a story in the past out there. So I wasn't ready to leave it. Um, so it's also set out there.
0: Well, I have to say I started going to East Hampton in 1979 when I was just three years old.
1: Oh my so, God.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was... I was not there. I think we went to like Pound Ridge or something and when I was just born. But yeah, I've been out there forever. As I think I told you, I think did you talk to my stepfather or something? Yes, about, oh
1: my best gosh. Best? I talked yeah. to your stepfather and I interviewed him about what it was like because, you know, so many, I'm sure you heard the same thing from your family as I heard from my family, which is they would always be like, God, we miss how it used to be out here. You know, it's always like it was a better time if you were to, yes. it, out in the Hamptons, if you went back in time. And the truth is it was just different, you know? I mean, it was... It was different in, in some ways, but it was similar. Like there was always like your stepfather was like, there was always traffic, you know, yeah. <laughs> and always it, was not, it was not like there wasn't traffic. Yeah. You know, back then when I was doing my research, you know, there are parts of Meadow Lane in Southampton when you say you were to go down um, toward Cooper's Beach, but turn right toward Meadow mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of Jin Gin. Gin all of that, there were no houses there back then in, in, in 1957, when I'm writing about, you could ride your bike down that road and just look at the ocean and the bay, which I thought was so neat because now if you go down that stretch of road, there's all of these gorgeous houses, but you know, you can't see the ocean. You can only see a little bit of the bay. Um, but yeah. And there was a racing track out in Sag Harbor. Yes. That's how a golf course. Yes. Yeah. No, I've been there
0: many times. It's so cool. Um, yeah, they, and they preserved the heritage of that too at the bridge. Yeah, it's very cool.
1: Yeah, it's so cool, right? Yeah. And then the the, the um I remember interviewing someone else who was telling me that there was a dress code in Southampton back then. So, um the woman I interviewed was saying her mom ran to the market to pick up groceries, but she was wearing hot pants and a blouse, and a cop came up to her and was like, "Ma'am, you're gonna have to go put some clothes on, or I'm gonna have to give you a ticket." You know, it's just so fun to think about that time back then. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, there was
0: just something so like wholesome. And simple, I don't know, this longing for the way it was. Yeah. I don't know. Like, there was like the the candy store and the news company that sold all the newspapers. And I don't know. It was just, um, it was so, it was already so different from life in the city, right? Like, right. so it, it's not even like it was truly that, like, it was frozen in time before. Yeah. yeah. So now it's even, anyway, whatever. But yeah. I, um, uh,
1: I mean, there's a joke. I don't know if you got to this part in the book, but I have a joke where, you know, the two friends are chatting about all these people. They, you know, they built this, her fiance built the hotel in park because he wants to be able to bring more people out from the city. And her friend jokes and is like, the last thing I want to do is vacation with, you know, everyone from the city at the beach. And I just got to chuckle out of that because that's what we all do, right? Like we all go out there now and we hang out on the beach with our, but you know, back then it, in 1957, it wasn't necessarily the case. It was the case for some people, but um, but that wasn't the culture. It wasn't that everyone out there was from the city.
0: Right. Wow. So, um, amazing.
1: Well, are you going to spend time out there this summer? <laughs> I am. So we have a house on the North Fork, So that's <laughs> where we are. And my family's in Montauk. Um, so I'll be out there a lot and I'm doing some, I'm doing the author's night in East Hampton. Oh, me too yeah that's what i was hoping to be I was oh good to person. yeah yes we're gonna email you about that so yeah i'll be out there for that but yeah i go all the time you know I, i'm always like taking the ferry over from shelter island and the shelter island over to seg harbor and i love the beach down at the end of ocean road in bridgehampton and i have all these um you know restaurants i like to you know we all have our summer spots that we that yes. we try to get to so yes i will well, be out there also we
0: should uh, try to meet up out there or something That'll
1: be fun. i would love that i would yeah. Um, so
0: what are you finding yet to be different? I know this is, you know, early days and all, but from Summer Darlings in this book, in terms of anything you've learned or like what you're going to implement either like on the tactical marketing side or just like from an author's, you know, emotional standpoint with the launch and all of that.
1: Well, not to focus on when Summer Darlings came out, but Summer Darlings came out in May, 2020. So Um, I didn't do one in-person event for Summer Darlings. So for this book, it's been really exciting to get out and talk to people in person. You know, the journalist in me, I love to go out and talk to people. So um, just giving an in-person talk and having an event and then having people come up to you afterwards and getting to know them and hearing their story. And I mean, I absolutely, I I love that. Um, The other thing is, I just feel like I have this group of Author friends now who are so kind and so willing to help me get the book out there, um, which is something I didn't have with Summer Dawnings. I was really the new person, the new kid on the block. Um, so that's been really, really nice. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. I, I don't, I don't have any tactical. I probably should have more tactical. No, uh, no, that was great. Ideas <laughs> was about exactly. things, but um, yeah, no. I just, I'm, I'm always just so excited to put the book out and. I'm exhausted. I mean, I feel like I've done nothing but think about this book for a week straight and next this week too. So um, it is exhausting to put out a book, but it's also so exciting. You know, you're doing the same thing right now. So. Yeah. This
0: has been different because it's like so personal, you know, having a memoir come out, like it is just so, you know, every conversation is like, I had this one interview yesterday. I was like, she only wanted to talk about all the, the grief and loss at the end of it. I was like, this is so, this is just uh, hard. Do you know, like, you know, I, like I, you don't necessarily want to stop your, your busy life to talk about like the saddest things in your life. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's
1: true, it's, but you know what? It's that it, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I've written a lot of first person essays, but people hone in on what they relate to. And then that's what they want to talk to you about. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you're going to have to go, you have to go there. Oh, No, it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously happy to do it,
0: but it's just like, it's emotional. Oh, it's, it's emotional. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. No, I get it. Anyway,
0: but, um, but I like emotional, so that's good. And I'm so excited. So it's, it's all good. I'm not complaining. Um, yeah, but, totally.
1: Uh, and, and you're learning the, trans, you know, the transformative power of your own words, which is that people are going to read your work and feel something. And it's going to change the way they see themselves, which is as a writer, that's all we hope we can do, right. Is, is teach something. So yeah.
0: it has been so nice. I've started getting like emails. Cause I really wanted people, I've always loved to write authors. And so I just put my, like an email in the book and now I like, I like make myself do what my other emails. Then I'm like, then I can scroll down and see if anybody Aww. wrote. I know it's so, that's funny.
1: That's <laughs> so funny. That's so nice though. I get that.
0: Um, okay. Well, writing contest. I'm gonna email you about this because I'm hundred okay. percent wanna do this. Yeah, I so going to think about
1: it too. Yeah. And, maybe it's uh, a gurney's maybe we can get gurneys to donate a weekend or something.
0: Or maybe even just like, you know, a fun lunch at St. Ambrose and Southampton and people could like drive back or whatever, wherever. Uh, oh,
1: that's you know? a good idea. Yeah. We don't have to, com- you don't. we don't have to commit a whole weekend. Yeah. You just, um, just like do
0: lunch one, on like a weekday or something. I don't know. We'll figure something. That's out. true.
1: Yeah. Right. Actually we could do lunch with me and you and the winner. Oh, let's do that. Yeah.
0: Perfect. That would be fun. Yeah. I'm in, in Southampton. In Southampton. <laughs> on Gin Lane. We'll meet on Gin, on Gin Lane. <laughs>
1: Hey, we, we have to for a photo op, but I don't think yeah. we can eat there.
0: No, we could, but you know, we'll, we'll stand under the side like you did on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> perfect. Okay. Well, that's fun. Thank you so much. It was great Thank to you. with you with and Damn. I'll, I'll be seeing you soon.
1: <laughs> Damn. No, exciting. All right. Thanks, Debbie. Okay. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books.